Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. So today um, we are talking about Doctor Who, but specifically about one of our yeah. favorite episodes, the Van Gogh episode. And just as a little trigger warning, we will be talking about some mental health issues in this episode. So yeah. be aware and forewarned <laughs> that yes. depression and suicide ideation will probably come up. Um, but we're also excited about this this episode because it is um it's a an episode of Doctor Who that's meant a lot to both of us, and that we're excited to talk about it. I don't know that we've really talked all that much about it, apart from just saying that it's one of our favorites. Yes, we haven't. I don't think we've ever really dug into our reasons why, or or even kind of Doctor Who as a as a thing. Whole. Like we've we've mm-hmm. touched on it a little bit in previous. Um, episodes just like lightly but I don't think you and I have ever unpacked why we we like this not only here (laughs) Um, and it's interesting because I did some research and prep for this conversation and I found out things that I didn't know at all um, which I I thought I'd share tell me all the interesting things (laughs) so a little bit about this um, it's it is Doctor Who season five, uh, episode 10. And so we're just beginning in the Matt Smith era. We've gone through Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant, and it was just handed off between the like fourth series and fifth series to Matt Smith. And this one was written not by um, Stephen Moffat, who does a lot of the greatest episodes that mm-hmm. I love. I yeah, There's a lot of, Doctor Who that I think is amazing and it's owed to Stephen Moffat. This was done though by Richard Curtis who you may recognize the name or you may not. I don't. But he has written Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh. Love Actually. Oh. um, Nightingale Hill. Bridget Jones. Okay. Bridget Jones' Diary and Bridget Jones as a Reason and the rom-com About Time. So he also directed Love Actually. Which is fascinating. That's quite the lineup. <laughs> yes. Like he he does a lot of rom com and a lot of funny yeah. and a lot of I mean, there's always kind of like love actually definitely has the moments of mm-hmm. kind of emotion. Yeah. And um of like real heartbreak. Yeah. But a lot of them like their shtick is very much that fun buoyancy. Yeah. I think this episode is fascinating because of the tone that it hits, mm-hmm. but where it keeps you. Like, mm-hmm. I love this episode because it makes me cry and it makes mm-hmm. me laugh. Mm-hmm. And he just is able to kind of keep this buoyancy to it throughout. That is yeah. kind of impressive. Yeah, that's They're... really hard to do, like to balance, because it is dealing with some some really difficult themes, and yet he does keep it oddly light. Like you're right. Like I definitely laugh in this episode and cry in it every time I watch it. Absolutely, and it's funny because the beginning of it. So to give a little context of this episode, 
we have the doctor who is Matt Smith and then we have his companion who is Amelia Pond Mm -hmm. and she has actually been married to someone named Rory and they have this kind of beautiful friendship but also like relationship and there's tension and he's actually just sacrificed himself (laughs) I love them too like it's so relatable (laughs) I sit there and I'm like that is a relatable relationship and and he's he's just a beautiful character who's complex interesting funny serious and so like he's willing to sacrifice himself and he does so an awful lot on this show and he has actually just been eaten by the time vortex and is gone so amelia amy pond doesn't even know she suffered this incredible loss yeah the doctor's aware though and so you have this odd tension of knowing that something's off like you get this these feelings here and there that even amy even though she's not directly aware there's tears in one part where she can't attribute it to what she's even grieving and she has no idea you have the doctor at one point saying the name rory instead of vincent like you have this great undercurrent of like it fits so well within the series itself Mm. but it also stands alone so well like it's such a great story that has a beginning you know a middle and an end and you think it's about a monster like he starts you out where they go to the museum yeah and they see a face in one of uh then goes um paintings that it's the one of the church and it shouldn't be there (laughs) and he's he realizes that they need to go and check it out figure out what's going on but it's not really about the monster like it is parts of it is and there's actually very real stakes with this monster you have someone Mm -hmm. die very soon into the episode but they kind of hand off the tension partway through of where what are is it we're fearing are we fearing this monster or is are we more concerned about what will happen to vincent once they leave like yeah who he'll be there's there's so much about that struggle um the the battle within yeah that it plays off of that's yeah kind of mirrors almost done. like yeah yeah and even mirrors the i love this about the monster the monster is one that only vincent can see no one mm-hmm. else can see it yeah and it kind of does some amazing things with that because i i do think that people which we both deal with mental health and mm-hmm. needing a need to manage our own. Yeah. And I do think sometimes that's that burden that's invisible that no one else can see. Like only you Absolutely. know yeah. where that struggle that where that battle is that and what what even you're dealing with on that day in and day out. Yeah. Um, there's like a beautiful metaphor within that monster that I think feels um really real yeah i i think it is a really great example of metaphor and writing and of that because it, it deals with so much mental health stuff that is 
internal and particularly in a show like this where you don't get interiority um yeah like you would in a book having something visual like that a, a tangible representation goes a long way I think towards um really making the viewer feel that emotion and like yeah sit with it in a different way because we're not in his yeah. head and just like anyone else around us isn't in our head when we're struggling um I think it was a really good choice to give that like make it tangible in some way (laughs) while also keeping it intangible to everyone else so you could still like work within that metaphor yeah right and it it also in addition to that says it well within the doctor who like scope universe (laughs) but yeah like you you believe that yeah this type of story can fit within it because of that but then Mm -hmm. it allows for this depth i in even in looking at top Doctor Who episodes as I was looking because I was curious if other people felt the same way and it's on almost every single top 10 top 20 list of favorite episodes fans of the shows their favorite episodes and I I do think it's that that depth that allows the exploration of it from the exterior in the very kind of bringing it out in a very real and tangible visceral and even scary there's several moments in it that are just very intense and terrifying yes (laughs) (laughs) and I think sometimes like sometimes there is that fear of like what I cannot control like the the parts of myself that I'm like I don't control Mm. my depression Mm. I can manage things and try to do things that help me manage, but there is an element of that that is completely, that feels like even though it's within, it's on the outside. Yeah. And I, I just love that exploration that allows to see it both external. And then you have the actor who plays um, the character of Vincent Mm -hmm. and he so on point is able to show yeah. in a very short amount of scenes a lot of different emotion and complicated yeah. emotion and yeah. the fear of being left alone. Um, there's this point where he's like in a ball on his bed and it's interesting. The shot is is almost like it. Everything is kind of set up as if he painted it. So like mm. his room is set up almost like that painting of the room. Yeah. Um. And I just think the the attention yeah, the color to those details are amazing. Detail. Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's just incredible. But you see him, and he's alone, so vulnerable in this yeah. ball, and he has his socks on, and it's like there's just something that's so raw about it the Mm. portrayal but also like just the physical shape of Mm. how he is Mm. and I just the attention to those things of who knows exactly how it was written in the screenplay I'd love to get my hands on the actual screenplay if I could but Richard Curtis even in interviews said that part of how they wrote it was to have the actors come in and act the things out 
Hmm. And they kind of built up a rapport that way. And they made changes after doing that read through of kind of getting the tone and the feel and what the actual actors wanted to do in the moment. And I think, you know, we've talked about embodying um, things before and just seeing how that was embodied in order to get those things of what was going on inside him in those moments of fear of, of being on the floor, maybe not literally, but it feels like that of our Mm -hmm. emotions going through that batch of depression. And then even he has a time where he changes and they were so sensitive to this. I loved it that he talks about how sometimes it takes all this time to get through it. So they don't pretend that it's like, no, you can just be like, fine, one minute. But it does like speak to the, this is not always how you feel. And there was so much of leaning into like the beautiful moments as well. The moments of wonder and, and that. I think that's one of my favorite things in this episode is the like, yeah, there are these layers to the emotion in it. It's not, I think we often mm-hmm. talk about depression as being like this one note. <laughs> and yes. that's not my experience. Like, I, yeah, I think there are, um, there are lots of notes within it and lots of like yes. very complex feelings that are all tied up in that, <laughs> that depressed feeling. And yet there's yes. not exactly that depressed feeling does that make sense yes <laughs> I'm making a lot of sense but absolutely well, no no I I, I feel yeah. you I think sometimes for myself um there's some element of like mm, for lack of a better word like manicness that goes along with yeah that depression and I, I think they did a really good job capturing that in this mm. too like you get his like urgency to paint and do things but also this like crippling um self-doubt about it and yeah fear and all of that um yeah I think it's just a really great a great picture of of all of that complexity and there's this part where they're holding hands underneath the stars and Mm -hmm. he kind of shows them how it looks to him And there's this moment where he's like, it's not black, it's actually dark blue. And he's talking about how the stars burn and the beauty of it. And there's so much there that I think another great metaphor there, too. Like that the sky isn't black, that this depression isn't one note either. That there's yes. Yeah. And and even that they're holding hands. It's like like come to church moment like just of sacredness I mean like just this sacred moment of being together of explaining how it feels of kind of this this moment of understanding at the Mm -hmm. same time and seeing it through someone else's eyes at the same time and I It was interesting because in preparation, he said that uh, Richard Curtis, the writer, said that he actually read um, more than he ever did and did more research on Van Gogh than Mm. he ever would typically do for a writing project. He did a lot of research on both Van Gogh himself. He read a very complete biography, and Mm. but he read up on mental health as well. And Mm. I think 
the thing that I love most is as someone who struggles with mental health myself, I saw myself in in that episode. I was able to see elements of my own struggle there authentically Mm -hmm. and without stereotype. Um, They don't use any of, this was a delight to me as well. They don't use any of the things that he did um, as punchlines. They don't use like, like him cutting off his ear that's not there they don't talk of they're not they're not using it to um I think make this more dramatic they're using it to be authentic and it definitely reads that way of Mm. I think they lean in really well to trying to get it as authentic to an experience as possible yeah um also showing like the if someone created these things, how would their mind work? How would yeah. they see the world? Mm-hmm. Even amongst their mental health concerns and dips, yeah. ebbs, flows, however you want to t- talk about that, how do they see it Like yeah. as they go through? And, and there's just something so ripe yeah. in there about that. As you said, not one note. But there can be, and I like that you said manic, because I think that is kind of the best way of showing like that high mm-hmm. when you're in a place of like ecstasy, if, if for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. of like enjoyment of something, of being able, when you're, you've gone through all that achidonia of not caring, of, yeah. of not maybe not not caring, um, of not being able to connect, like almost having, at least that's how I I experience it. It's, it's almost like a volume has been turned down. And I'm I'm not sure how to turn the volume back up. Or um, there's other, there's certain things going on that I can feel like echoes of something, but I, I don't feel it as I normally hold on to them. Yeah. There's just kind of this beautifulness, though, of of when that is no longer there, that Amazonia, yeah. that not caring, like you do kind of have the ability to almost feel it on a different plane almost, or mm-hmm. at least to me, it feels that way mm-hmm. since it's you know all relative. Yeah. Um, where you can kind of in your enjoyment and your ability to kind of see something spikes into this bliss. Um, yeah. And, think, and they capture that well. Yeah, they do. And well, and I think that what's something that's hard with these kinds of issues is that externally, a lot of times all that people see is that that manic side or the results of that manic yeah. side. And I think it's a it's a really good reminder that sometimes yeah. there's a lot of other things going on underneath that. Yes. Um and again, like just that they captured kind of all of that in one episode is yes. really sort of amazing. I think it was so it was thought out yeah. and they mixed in those moments within the tone of the overarching story that they wanted to tell, yeah. which it's funny um, if we look at time frame. So the we start with the monster, the, yeah. the monster that's invisible to everyone but Vincent. We go through at about 33 minutes. The monster is no longer there. Mm-hmm. They've gone and completed what they wanted to do but it doesn't 
It doesn't end the way you think it will with the monster either because the monster's afraid and the monster's actually blind and th- the thoughtfulness there yes. of, <laughs> of, of <laughs> layers of complexity and nuance to the monster itself, which, yeah. which <laughs> the one thing is going back and looking at this monster, it is a CGI like chicken um, kind of, it uh, looks almost right. like a chicken jabberwocky, yeah. which sounds weird. <laughs> um, it is kind of humorous, but they lean in with, like, we get to understand this monster before the end. And it actually becomes part of the tragedy of the story, I think. Yeah. In, in There's a lot of misunderstandings that go on between the villagers and how they see Van Gogh and between yeah. the monster and, you know, the doctor even and, and Amy yeah. and Van Gogh. And then after that, we kind of hand over the story to what will happen, like what will be there in the museum once we get there. And we yeah. think we're just going to leave, but they end up making a very interesting choice. And it's something that they actually don't do much in the show at all mm. in bringing someone out of time yeah, and showing them that kind of, what modern time looks like but the choice I think is a wonderful story one because even when we talk about Van Gogh I think it's such a great human tragedy of someone who never got to really see their art their work yeah valued or really um even the worth of it like yeah and throughout this, there's kind of this wonderful dramatic irony because we all know, like we all right. know what happens in the future. We all know what happens, how people love his his work. Um, the doctor knows, Apon knows. Yeah. The only one who doesn't know is the villagers who still see him in a very <laughs> specific and stereotypical way and who don't value him at all and yeah. Vincent himself. And when he gets to go and hear, it, what's great is Bill Nighy, who's also in Love Actually and has acted with the actor who's playing Vincent before in Underworld. He's mm-hmm. there and basically able in a hundred words to kind of explain within Vincent's hearing what he meant, like what yeah. his work has meant. I think this is like I ultimate catharsis, right? <laughs> yes. Me too. But it's kind of, it's so human. Like, yes. it's so human to want someone want to our life see. to matter and someone to see you. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Like, for ourselves and yeah. also, like, this human story that we carry around mm-hmm. that does have a, it does have an ending that we consider to be tragic. Mm. But Sometimes even just looking at what he accomplished, like yeah. being able to see like what he was able to create within his life, like, and then be able to him to understand, like him yeah. to be able to change the narrative for himself. The point of the story is not saving him from his story. Ultimately, it's just yeah. letting him like have that cathartic glimpse yeah. of what, what it meant. Yeah. Well, I think we all want that, right? Like that's the element yeah. of fantasy to this story, like, and, and not fantasy in the terms of like monsters or other things, but 
that those things we dream about are want like to, yes. to be seen and to be valued and to right. know that, that what we do matters. And and I think yes. giving that him is a really it's a really beautiful it, it almost makes the tragedy more tragic, but also sort of redeems it at the same time. Absolutely. And and what's interesting with the end is it could end there. Like it absolutely could. But instead, when they drop him off, they go back to see if anything has changed. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really human, too, that we want what we do to have. We don't want the impact that we have with people to matter. The the, Mm -hmm. us meeting someone and talking to them. We want to have those changes. Like we want to be able to. We want to save people. And and we can't. (laughs) Well, but even also to have us interacting with them matter too like it's it's kind of both of those things like we want to save people and then we also want our ripples to have some sort of effect and so they come in basically nothing has changed at least on the first view and they go to the church one and she she's like none of this you know none of this mattered what was the point um and the doctor says basically that we all have these piles of good things and bad things and the the good things don't outweigh the bad things they don't but they do have a power that doesn't make them unimportant that doesn't make them without value and he said you know we definitely added to his good things then they see the church photo the monster's no longer there but then it like the shot goes out wide and we see amy (laughs) I promised myself I was like, I totally am. (laughs) But she had at one point gotten a bunch of sunflowers out so he can do his sunflower painting. And she's walking up. And instead of just saying Vincent on the vase, it says, for Amy. And then it says Vincent. And I think it's so hopeful, that ending. Mm Of <laughs> oh gosh, it does it does have an impact, right? Yeah. It's that reminder that that maybe we'll we'll never be able to make the impact that we think we that we want. Yeah. Yeah. But it's whatever impact we do, like it's enough. Like there's just something so beautiful about seeing that little moment of difference. Yeah. And as we I've talked about difference is why we tell stories. Like if, if a story, I mean, there might be a story that works that there is no difference, (laughs) but even if it's not that character changing, that's different, there's something that changes or we wouldn't stick with the story. And I love that even just in a subtle little teeny tiny to most people in consequential moment, they kind of proved their, like the doctor gets to say his hypothesis and they proved it with that like little moment. It's not the perfect story. It is not like the, probably the most profound piece of writing. It's just simply beautiful. Mm. And I think that's what I take from it and why I love it so much it's just that little moment of it makes a difference yeah 
Absolutely. Well, and I think it's a really good, like from a writing perspective, a really good choice that it, that they didn't go big with it, that it is subtle, you know, like, because they could have pandered a lot. There's so many choices they could have made in this story that would have, you know, I mean, you mentioned already like the drama of the ear thing or like things like that, that they avoided that they, like they could have done a lot of different things that would have been bigger and more dramatic and more but they wouldn't have been the right choice like the story wouldn't have as much have as much power and and I think often as a writer I'm tempted sometimes to do that big thing you know like the to make the obvious choice and so often where real emotion comes from in our work is the more subtle moment and that the choice that isn't as obvious that's more more human and normal and and everyday even it actually reminded me of a conversation that we had about Bridgerton and about mm. romancing Mr. Bridgerton. The choice she made there wasn't hugely dramatic at the end. Um, yeah. It's actually kind of relatively small. Like it yeah. is a grand gesture, but it's on a very kind of reasonable scale. Yeah. But it rang a lot more true than yes. the endings in the first two even first three novels of her, her books because of that subtlety. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think maybe it's a culture thing that we like automatically, you know, maybe as Americans, we automatically (laughs) think big, (laughs) (laughs) fireworks. But it is amazing just recognizing and taking a moment to listen and and see the value in the small moment in the yeah. small moment though that has great meaning behind it yeah because a small moment without meaning is still sure. it doesn't have that it can be boring it can be, yeah yeah mm-hmm. but a small moment with meaning it's mm-hmm. it's also like um in the hunger games there's a word that she mentions multiple times throughout it which is always mm-hmm. and it comes back at the end in a really special, mm. interesting way in um, the last book. Yeah. And I think, again, like it's just a small thing, but you know, it's the same thing with Harry Potter and the word always um, that Snape says. Mm-hmm. There's, there's t-shirts where it's like, <laughs> you have his Patronus and the word always. And it's because it's such a big emotional moment, even though it's not a grand or verbose moment. And sometimes it's the little thing that really matters. Well, and those little things are set up so well, you know, in this and that, like you have to kind of build to them and then they have that power. Um, If it just, you know, happened without like, yeah, the setup, I don't know that it had the same effect. Um, absolutely and even the fact that they chose to have it in the museum first they're signaling to us where this story is going to go we just don't know it yeah the framing there is like to start and end in the same place is really I always love that (laughs) me too and we probably should know like it should be signaled because Bill Nye is here and he's not just he's not gonna be there just But I think it's funny because Doctor Who does that actually a lot. <laughs> Where they like fake you out yeah. um, with a big name. Um, but I do think that remembering that you don't even have to like 
tip your hand too much. Yeah. Like they don't like the there's little subtle, subtle things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even there's like a bow tie comment back and forth that helps ground us in the moment and tie us back in, yeah. which helps remind us where we've been before. It's, yeah. it's just, uh, it's kind of a masterclass in that subtle writing. Well, I think that stands out even more in a show that you do have lots of big dramatic moments and endings. And, yes. you know, like, so this, <laughs> this particular episode, it stands out. It, it really yeah. does. Like it, it is unique within the series while still fitting within the universe really well. Yes, absolutely. And there's really only a couple other stories, I think, that are even on the same par as yeah. it. Um, and they actually do similar things. And I, I think Blink and Midnight yes. do kind of similar things and yeah. ask interesting questions and even kind of take the frame. It's off the doctor and it's on something else. Mm -hmm. I think actually um, another one was the girl in the library that does it too. It kind of looks at another mm -hmm. historical figure and it's kind of, there's these clockwork robots the story isn't so into the world of Doctor Who that I think, yeah. I think someone could come to it outside of it. Yes. This is one of the reasons why we're talking about it as well. Having no context except yeah. for what we've given here and really be able to enjoy it just yes. as a piece of storytelling. Yeah, I agree. So if you haven't, whether you've watched Doctor Who or not, and go find this episode <laughs> because it is. Yes. It is really beautiful. It's very encouraging. Um, and just, yeah, and enjoy it. Look at it for the, the things they're doing as far as story, because there is a lot we can learn as writers from it. Um, but also just enjoy it because it's, yeah, it is a very, very touching episode. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining us. We hope you will join us again next week and that you will keep reading and writing and exploring stories in all forms and putting your voice out into the world.